Stan, in, in, line. Hi, and welcome back to the Crapshoot. It's episode 21, probably, and we're standing in line outside of XOXO, where we're going to just periodically talk at things, I think, is the plan. I'm your uh, host who's currently talking, Josh Millard. I'm the other host, Jesse Holden. Um, I'm having the wrong end of the phone held up to my face. I might have suddenly gotten much louder as Josh realized his mistake, but I was going to actually compliment you on how you completely pulled your phone out of the pocket, held it up to your mouth, and busted out a completely credible intro. I feel like I didn't say, uh, once in there, and I said, uh, a lot in the last one, where I felt pretty good about it, so... You did really incredible just now, Thank and you, you really remembered what episode number it was. Well, I always remember that. You're just a fucker who oh, doesn't yeah. remember when I remember right. All right. So, thank you for joining us on this episode of The Crapshoot. Right. Yeah, so, Speaking wait, of fuckers, wait, we have a guest. With, with, with <laughs> us is our, I think, our first returnee, motherfucker. Yeah. Uh, Matthew Bogart, who uh, was on episode something, uh, where we talked about cartooning and uh, his work on The Chair's Hiatus and Oh, It's the End of the World. And we talked at great length in the second half of what would normally have been a one-parter uh, about uh, comics for sad children. Pictures for sad children. Pictures for sad children, yes. The uh, nightmare Kickstarter scenario. Yes, exactly. By our well-beloved uh, John Campbell. Yeah, so Matthew is here with us in Portland, where uh, we all live. So I guess we should make a big deal about the fact that you're in Portland, but you're here, and hello. <laughs> you really? I was really hoping we would just cut the episode off after the intro, complimenting yourselves on the intro, and then that's the end. <laughs> That would have been a good stopping point. That would have been better than usual for us. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. Now, How's this wind treating you? I'm interested to see how this sounds. I think it'll sound okay. Uh, episode 20 was recorded, the first third of it, on a disc golf course where it was very windy and we didn't talk to the mic, so I figure this is going to sound sterling. Right, then useful part for you is you can just go on continuing, assuming it sounds okay for the rest of your life, since you'll never listen to it. Exactly. That's, you know, it's, it's, it's an advantage. It's an advantage to the whole thing. So uh, The funny thing is the wind didn't pick up until you started recording, really. Like, We've been sitting in this line for like an hour. With I, I've never told you this, but I'm a wind elemental. I've noticed that from the last episode, yes. and our listeners probably did too. Mostly I'm a breaking wind elemental. Is your phone picking up my expression right now? Yeah, no, it's really picking up your, your pause and failure to follow through on that. So, uh, anyway, you know, <laughs> no, I feel like it's a good start. deliberate decision not to follow through on that. Yeah, well, you know, a deliberate decision to be wrong. To, to, <laughs> it's called yes and, not oh, uh, er, I, you know. As we both know from our extensive years of, of improv comedy training. Yeah, no, I couldn't yes and that one. It was yeah. just too terrible. I think, I think, I think you failed. I think you failed. I was right. I was uh, I was in a relay race, and instead of the baton, I was past a turd. And uh, yes, I did fail to win the relay race yeah, look, because someone handed me a turd. You just grab of that baton. turd and you run for all your fucking worth, <laughs> and you hand off the turd to the next guy, and you just make it work because you know all what? Right. You're you're in a relay race, not a turd judging contest. So you know, I'll tell you, I'll tell you if what we're going to talk about is turds. Okay. If this episode isn't called turd judging contest. I don't even know. All right. All right. You okay. should hit stop now. We I should. Try it. I should probably hit stop. Hit stop. Had a few drink. I feel like it's time for a brief check-in at the Joust game at XOXO Thursday night. How are you doing, Jesse? I'm pretty good. How's it going? I'm doing well as well. I've been enjoying uh, the jousting. I've been enjoying the mingling. I feel like, as far as things go, I, uh, to whatever extent I struggle with, uh, you know, like, 
social anxiety in random social situations, this has been nice. I I I also think it's been nice. I feel like beer has helped. <laughs> there has been a significant amount of beer. Beer beer is a handy thing. Hey Matthew. Yeah. How are you doing this inaugural evening with XOXO? Entirely awake. It, it, how, how much on a percentage level would you say beer has contributed to your coping? Zero. You're you're a much more functional human being, <laughs> and I appreciate that. I like the fact that. <laughs> You don't depend on, uh, you know, chemical assistance for basic uh, social interactions. Oh, I depend on plenty of chemicals. It's just, you know, food. And <laughs> Keep talking. <laughs> I'm just trying to convince people that you're actually not talking to anyone, but I guess I just ruined it. Yeah, you just totally screwed it up. But, but I appreciate the effort. End of... Night. What I just was trying to say earlier that I did never really run into that particular homonym before. Homomorph. What I thought what I was describing was a homonym. Entrance and entrance. Right. Homonym means same name. Homomorph means same shape. Right, but uh, it's because they're the same letters. I thought it was a homonym. Just, no, no, it's a, it's a homomorph. If if it if it was the same pronunciation with different letters, it would be a homonym. Your 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 voice is really hoarse, but I don't mean hoarse like uh, the animal. I mean hoarse like the inflection of your voice. See, now that would be a homonym. No, it wouldn't. Whereas entrance and entrance are spelled the same but pronounced differently, which makes them homomorphs. They have the same shape. Is a horse and horse for homonyms? Yeah. No, they totally are. I thought, like, um... Well, okay, they're homophones. Yeah, that's totally the opposite of a homonym. I feel like people use homophone and homomorph somewhat uh, interchangeably. I, I try not to be too homophonic. Homonym I mean, and homophone is what I meant to say. Right. Versus homomorph. Right. Homonym and homoform. Right. Are we talking... Horse and horse are homophones. They have the same sound. Phone, phonetic. Look, it's a horse galloping. I am hoarse because I've been shouting all night. Okay, so this is the question I was trying to get at earlier before you started recording. I this think. is episode 21 of the crapshoot. You will never fail to remember the exact never. Number, number of the episode that we're, never, ever. That we're recording. But um, what, how, when, who were you shouting at? When were you shouting? I don't remember shouting. Were I mean, it? Oh, well, let me say, I remember shouting a lot, but I don't remember the specific. <laughs> you're gonna have to be a lot more specific. We're at the XOXO opening party. It's one in the morning, and uh, we're tucking in. It's ra- it's wrapping up uh, the opening night, and Josh apparently has been shouting blithely and outwardly into the night. It was blithe. It was it was relatively focused. We, we were leaving. We were from leaving. Your description, it doesn't sound as such. We were leaving, and we passed a, a sign that said entrance with a pointer to the entrance, but I noted that it was also something that could be read as entrance, which is a homomorph. It has the same shape as entrance. Entrance and entrance, two different sounds with the same shape. Homomorphs. But your voice has been hoarse for far longer than that anecdote would Hoarseness be. is not obscuring the accuracy of the description as homomorphs. Right. My question is, who have you been yelling at all night? Because I everybody. 
You, you've been yelling at Pendleton Ward. That's one person. A little bit at Pendleton Ward. You did yell a little bit at Pendleton Ward. Which is understandable because, I, I, I mean, Adventure you, Time, that's amazing. I don't want to put you on the table, but you did kind of um, corner Pendleton Ward and yell at him. I feel like, I, I don't <laughs> feel like I particularly buttonholed him. I thought I was relatively, uh, you know, chivalrous about my uh, engaging of him in conversation. I, I can't disagree with your chivalry. Well, that seems like a that Matt, may not be the- Matt, do you have an opinion on my approach to discussing random stuff with Pendleton Ward at midnight at XOXO in a parking lot? Be brutally honest. I'm still trying to figure out what a homo horse is. <laughs> it, 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 it's a gay horse. It's a gay horse. I feel like I already made that joke when I said I try not to be homophonic. He didn't make it very well, though. Well, just because you were talking over it. Well, you got you got to show up. You got you, you got to show up and make it known. I I don't know what that means. I need to somehow magically make you not talk over okay. the joke. We'll talk about this more tomorrow. <laughs> Meet a nice guy. We are now currently walking from the XOXO arcade, which was quite extraordinary. It was amazing. Uh, at the U. Well, it still is. I mean, we aren't there anymore, but it didn't stop existing, presumably. Well, it may have stopped being amazing since we've been gone, though. There's no way for us to know. True. We might have been the, the lifeblood of that thing. Yeah, unlikely, though. It's pretty amazing, and it probably still is. But that's the, at the U Contemporary, which was the main HQ of XOXO last year. Oh, okay. So, like, upstairs there where we just were, that was the where the speakers would talk last year, and then got really, really, like, quickly converted to the arcade space, you know, when it was arcade night, and it got really quickly got converted to the um, movie showing space. Oh, okay. It was like the film, like kind of film and animation night. Um, now it's cool because we kind of have the conference spread out a little bit more, so that can be kind of a permanent fixture for arcade, and we can still walk back to the red, which is we are now, and watch the uh, new XOXO story time. Yeah, top top level domain. What was the word I'm looking for? What is this? I have no <laughs> nice. And who are you? I'm Monk. Hey, Monk. I'm Josh. Josh, nice to meet you, man. Do you or, mind if we record you while we're talking I, to each other into a I recorder? Don't. Okay. No worries. Man. I feel like that should be clear. <laughs> I, well, I kind of assume that like there's not just like funkiness with a phone there. But. I, just, I just really enjoy <laughs> pronating when I'm walking. Is what it is. I just like the wrist action really makes me. But we're going back to social. We're going to see John Roderick, and I think right, it's right, really right. interesting. Right. Are, are you? Is that where you're direction? going? I'm actually headed to a different. I'm headed off the the grid of the yeah. event for other Portland type things. The cool thing about the conference is that off the grid is still kind of within the purview. Right. Well, so like, like I'm a, I'm a former Portlander, so like yeah. I, like, oh, while, so you're back in town. While I'm back in town, there's like many other people yeah. I need to hang out. Yeah, with. you got to get in trouble right. with some people. So I know. You, you know, haven't I'm gotten like, in trouble yeah, in a while. I'm I'm wandering off the XO grid for a <laughs> bit. But <laughs> we, I think each of us went uh, went out a little too hard last night, and so oh, we each yeah. kind of disappeared <laughs> to our respective homesteads <laughs> to just kind of nap off their hangover and then come back. Nap, out. Naps are powerfully important. It's so. true. Yeah, so the nap true. did nothing for me, but the hair of the dog has done wonders. That that always helps as well. <laughs> well now it's the water of the the dog, so that the hair of the dog that, doesn't that get too thick. Where are y'all from? Uh, we're, we're both local. You were oh, okay. born and raised, right? Uh, raised. 
I was born in Montana. Oh, that's right. Uh, we should I'm, talk about I, that in depth sometime. I was born in California and moved up here about nine or ten years ago. Okay, right on. And uh, have lived here ever since, and I fucking love this town. I'm sure you do, too. Cause I, I dig it. I, yeah. uh, I'm down in the Bay Area now, and I love the Bay Area mm-hmm. as well. So. Well, life. I'm an East Bay person. So, okay. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, right. I live in Alameda. And, That'll and do. Motorcycle to the city. So. Yeah. <laughs> where, where do you work for, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I work for a small company called Faraday Bicycles. Okay. I design electronics for electric bicycles. Oh, nice. Really? Yeah. Like that's super neat. So it's yeah, I could not pass that off. Yeah, I was yeah. Just like, that's the thing. I'm gonna go do that. <laughs> That'll do it. That'll make it happen. Here's my question about brick or uh, electric electric bicycles. Right. Do you sell more out of out of a brick and mortar like storefront, or do you sell them online mostly? Well, so far we've been strictly online only. Okay. Uh, we did a Kickstarter a couple of years ago. Okay. And uh, sold the first 40 or 50 bikes through that, and then kept doing online pre-sales as we geared up manufacturing. So the first pilot production run of 200 bicycles was all online sales. And you're, you're, the way you set it up is you buy the whole bike. You don't you buy, just the, buy a kit to attach to right. your existing bike. We make, yeah, we make a, we wanted to make a bike that didn't look like an e-bike. Yeah. So we made the full package. It's got. Right with the battery with, swinging under the seat and yeah, all that. We actually right. hid the battery in the down tube. Nice. So we hid the battery. We hid <laughs> as much of the control electronics as we could. Uh, if, you, if you don't look at it too closely, it looks like just an upright towny bicycle. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Dutch style, kind of upright riding, front rack sort of stuff. Um, I mean, like a, a nice bicycle, but just looks like a bicycle. And then small motor in the front hub, mm-hmm. uh, battery hidden in the down tube, some control electronics hidden throughout mm-hmm. the bike. And It seems like the, the battle that you have to fight developing something like that is make it still light enough you can hoist it over your shoulder yeah. and walk it up a hill if you have to or something right. like that. Right, and it's not super light. But it's not as heavy as most e-bikes. We're, cool. We're, we're coming at just under 40 pounds. Okay. So it's, you know, like, yeah, yeah. Nice. kind of a hefty steel frame bike without, you know, otherwise, but lighter than, you know, a Schwinn from 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, yeah. And uh, in San Francisco, it's great because we have, we have many hills to test yeah, on. Yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, if you're going to key into the, um, the, uh, uh, if you wanted to, to key into the, the real uh, Burning Man esque culture of the Bay Area, <laughs> there's a word for rude expectations. And uh, I can't quite figure out what it is. No. Uh, the um, stereotypes. Okay. okay. Rude expectations? That's not too far off. I guess. I'm sure you're sure. going to edit this all out, I'm sure. Oh, right, right. right yeah. Yes. Um, is, uh, if you wanted to key into the stereotypes of uh, both San Francisco and Portland, you could probably make an electric penny farthing and sell it to oh, two people and get yeah. a right up in the new sure. local newspaper. Well, and then you just <laughs> mark that up nicely and, and score some nice profit on that. Right, right. Uh, Never expecting to sell them in quantity, sure. but at least getting your name out there. I, I may be an engineer, but I have a product developer in me at times, <laughs> and I always think of things like, let's spend 20 bucks and get some do- gold decals for the bike and then sell it for 7000 instead right. of $5,000. <laughs> It'll be the, the special limited run gold fair day. <laughs> It's been a real pleasure to meet you. Give me your name one more time, though. My name is Monk. Monk, Jesse. Good Jesse. I'm do you sorry. A, do you have a Twitter handle? I'm, I'm Josh. Josh, that's right. My Twitter handle is Jimmy the Horn. Jimmy the Horn, all right. What we learn so far. I don't feel awake, and I don't feel like it's today, but I am super self-conscious. Well, it's 11, it's 11.41, so it is today. It's right. still today. It's not tomorrow yet. It feels unfair that you started recording as I was responding to a real specific prompt from you that it was, it was wasn't a, captured in the It was recording. a really nice in medias res 
common on your part, though, I okay. feel like. Um, I've had a really delightful evening, and I feel a little bit like The Walking Dead at this point. Yeah, we're both... I feel like we're both... You had a nap. How much of a nap did you have? No, I did. I laid down in bed for 10 minutes, but I had no... They didn't oh, even see, close my eyes. I got I got a good solid hour. Okay. So uh, I, I'm, I'm feeling better. I still feel like... I'm right there with you where, like, going to bed is probably the way to go. Right. But uh, but I'm not feeling like, I'm not dragging my ass there. Like, I'll get home and feel good about the decision rather than get home and be like, thank God I got home. Huh. It's one of the weird things about, I mean, we didn't know how this was going to go, trying to record something yeah, through the course of XOXO. Uh, one of the things I'm discovering as we go is that the funnest moments are the moments I'm least inclined to pull out a recorder. It is tricky, yeah. Like, like we haven't, we really haven't tried to make it happen with... Uh, Matthew Bogart or Brad Sucks either who we were both like yeah let's get him back on the show because they were both very fun guests previously and right. I'd love to sit down and talk with them but at the same time there's this whole fucking shit going on do we really say hey stop everything for the next three hours so we can sit down and do a podcast even even then it's like it's not that we haven't not seen Matt and Brad yeah but it's but like when we're talking to them we just like get yeah, caught up in talking to them yeah, right exactly. it's like and it's so, fun to have, me, have, to have a conversation and they each have, have separately like mentioned like oh hey are we going to do the podcast thing or not and I'm just like I have no idea. Yeah, Can we know. just like hang know. out right now? Because that's all I have the energy yeah, for. Yeah, exactly. So um, it's... and or and or I'm just like I'm enthralled by this. Why would I even talk about arranging some kind of podcast recording thing? Let's yeah, just like let's have just fun keep, in this let's, moment. Let's keep talking. All right. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna bid you good night. And uh... yeah, it's, it's, I've had a really wonderful evening. And um, I'm sorry we, more of it wasn't documented because I think in the moment it would have been interesting. But uh, I, you know, we've. I, I think, think I think we've been having the documentation of the experience. We can talk about it endlessly after. The I'm sure we can. But um, I, uh, I, I appreciate at least getting a, to snatch a moment with you on our way home at the end of this really cool day. I thought <laughs> you said snatch, huh? A long talk with friends. Pizza is arriving. I guess I guess we could say briefly this is still episode twenty-one of the crap shoot. And... It, it may be. Yeah, it I mean, may we'll be. see. We'll see. It if you're hearing this, it is. If you're not hearing this, who knows what it is? But uh, yes, we're at Vincenti's Pizza on Saturday. Uh, me and Jesse are here at the Olivar. Uh, and if you're hearing this as we record it, thank you, NSA. Uh, that's not mine. That's yours. This is mine. Thank you. And uh, yes, we just we've just had pizza distributed to us. The special uh, looks amazing. Uh, the music was a lot quieter a second ago. I don't know how yours is going to pick up music versus. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, if you're hearing a lot of music behind us, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's very exciting. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, I'm sure. Um, because, well, they're going to hear it. I mean, Sony, obviously, or, or Warner, or who the, who the fuck is Big fans of the show. Yeah. Big fans of the show. Where the decision not to you know, the honestly, really starts to shine. <laughs> that, that might actually be the case. Like, it wouldn't surprise me if they just have software that spiders, like, podcast, like RSS feeds with enclosures, just downloads them, runs it through their music match software, and then sends out cease and desist. But I wouldn't be surprised if they had... Just do nothing except take threats. Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, no, I'm certain that's a thing. But it's the it's the you know the threat is enough of a chilling effect that it's like if Sony decides to sue me, I there's I can't possibly fight that. Like I just can't. Just have to settle. So you just you just have to do what they want. <laughs> I worry. To, you know, yeah. I worry about that with Live Trash. 
It's one. Of, it's, yeah, it's one I'm, of the like, I'm surprised. Like, so how many? How, what is, like you're in the hundreds now. Right? Yeah, I'm, I'm closing in on 200. But on the other hand, you know, it's not super high visibility. Like I've got you know 12 really solid fans of this comic strip that I made I actually, with Photoshop. I'm not. I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I forgot that was a thing and just assumed it had gone away after like I read. The, I think I read the first 20 and then we were hanging out last night and I was like. Man, is LARP Trek still a thing? <laughs> so I googled it. I read like 30 of them last night when I was trying to go to bed. Uh, that's, that's really funny. But yeah, Paramount could at any moment be like, yeah. oh, hey, so I see you're using our IP and, without, you know, and, and I've so got no leg to stand on so other than, the, hey, internet yeah. joy, don't <laughs> shit on a thing, and that's not going to work against you. Yeah. One of the essential messed up things about, like, the remix culture and how it relates to the original artists or like owners of intellectual property is that if Patrick Stewart saw Lark Strike, he would probably think it's hilarious. But if he retweeted it, then Sony would be on your ass. <laughs> like whoever, you know, like uh, would it be Paramount? Yeah. Yeah. Paramount would be just like bam. Like, I basically, you would be you would be taken down in a minute. I, the, the, if, like Michael Dore, anybody. Like just, yeah. I, I, I keep I keep hoping in my heart of hearts that Will Wheaton will see it and take it into the spirit's intended and say something but I also worry like what if that actually happened because then I would have to actually yeah, be on the map at all and then it, and maybe Paramount would be like I don't care you know whatever it's, it's some dumb little comic strip you're not representing yourself to you know be you know an owner of the right, stuff yeah. or whatever yeah and I think you have a case that the entire thing is a is a sat- satirical take on the show well, I, I, I could, and I I could certainly that, make a very good argument, but it's well, not whether like, you want to go to war also, or not. Yeah, I'm not right. going to escape any kind of like my ability to live my life on the idea that, morally speaking, I probably have a decent fair use argument against a giant corporation with more lawyers than I have fingers, you know, in. And they, of course they have more lawyers than I have fingers. I, I was trying to come up with something good there on the fly. More lawyers than I have. What do, what do I have like a, a thousand of? That's a really weird measurement. Like yeah. it's like the why why is everything measured in football fields if it's big? Like now it's just fingers. Like, yeah. I need a I need a good unit of measurement for corporate lawyers. If you were in Star Trek the next generation, you would say more lawyers than and then the name of some alien species. Denubian wedding orgy, you know? <laughs> Which would be represented in the script as brackets tech. I think that benefits you too, the fact that you do a comment on Star Trek. Like anybody that's gonna to try to send you a cease and desist letter is gotta know that it's much more likely to become a controversy on the internet how Star Trek comments being taken down than a lot of other subject matter. Yeah, I think they would balance that based on how much money you're really making off of it or, or anything like that. Like are you actually and yeah, what's it gonna cost us in PR? Yeah. So we'll see. Maybe someday I'll get to find out. For now, I'm just sort of okay with it just being this little thing. If I can delight a dozen people on a regular basis, that's a that's that's an okay setup. I guess we could also say who's talking besides you and me. Oh, that would. So we also have a this is this is this is a this is a big reunion and special guest show because we have returning to the podcast for the first time. The first time we've had so special we have all the podcast. 
Yes, we only so special. We're eating during. We kicked out all the stops. We've uh, yes, kicked out the stops. Yeah, you kick out the stops, right? Pull out the stops. Whoever kicks the new have It's it's a special. You pull out. You pull out stops, but you don't pull out anything when there's like eight-year-olds running around. Right. Yes. It's it's this is a very complicated metaphor, but anyway, Brad sucks. Our musician friend from Canada. And Matt Bogart, our cartoonist friend from right here in town, are both back to be the first returning guests for a crapshoot ever. So that's super exciting. And we also have our new friend Phil Nelson joining us, who didn't even know that he was going to be on a podcast until we started eating pizza. I'm uh, apparently I'm happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> we already talked about you guys saw John Gruber talk today, and uh, that was interesting to me. Um, he was one of the ones I would have loved to have seen if I'd been able to afford the um, conference pass, but. Uh, the other person you saw today, probably the biggest, biggest draw in the conference, probably, would be Anita Sarkeesian. That, that would be fair to say. She was awesome. She's like, you know, I, I, uh, uh, she's Armenian. Um, my girlfriend is Armenian. Uh, just Armenians are just badass. Like there was a there was an Armenian genocide for like you know in the, in the and, and like you 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 actually you can it's impossible to frighten an Armenian basically like oh you're gonna make me stop because of a tweet yeah. you're gonna threaten me yeah just uh, just too badass but no uh, Anita's the the baddest ass person I've ever seen it was awesome I loved the instant standing ovation when she came out yeah like I mean like, you know the the reactions to everybody been like yay happy but like Anita came out and like everybody stood up into like the only standing ovation like all week so far um, and I was like I am so happy I'm here with other people that would do that. I was already teared up a little from uh, Jonathan Manns. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. And then when everybody was just like, yeah. awesome, yeah. badass woman doing awesome yeah. things, we like support you and whatever. And, and Gruber kind of had the death slot, like going after Anita. Like, th there was, you might as well have just played, like, you know, a a record or something. Yeah. Or, you know, hey, I've gone through no adversity other than yeah. figuring out my business model. I've had to deal with people accusing me of being fun in the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> Which I openly am. Some, right. yeah. Some people think I'm arrogant. <laughs> I've never been so happy to but be... But no one like, threatens me. <laughs> I've never been so happy to be... Um, what's the word? Uh, looked at threateningly. After a talk, I went up to her just to say, hey, you know, I think it was, it was awesome and life-changing. And her security guard was just standing there watching everybody, just sort of yeah. looking at their hands and looking at their pockets and looking at the way they're standing. And very clearly making her presence known as, like, nothing is about to happen here. And then this feeling of, like, I am right. It's like, keep my ass so I think, yeah. the, I think the official position of the Crabtree podcast is Anita Sarkeesian's the hardest motherfucker in the game. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. Well, she's, yeah, it was actually, I was reading Metafilter, and, like, the two things happened in a week. There was, like, Elena Dunham thread, because she wrote, like, a GQ article. Uh, or, no, it was an excerpt from her memoir. Hmm. And people just fucking hated on it. And she's just describing her weird, privileged childhood. But also psychologically weird. It is kind of weird that she's like 23 and has a memoir, though. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. No, sure. But, I mean, whatever. Like, whoever, like, if someone's gonna pay you to write a memoir, do it. But I'm like, there are dudes, like, and you don't get nearly the static. And then the Anita Sarkeesian thing happened, like, within a couple days. Yeah. And I remember, oh, everybody's like, really upset about 
this thing and I watched it and I was like that was so reasonable <laughs> that was I thought so calmly articulate like I thought it was going to be more you know there there's, there's no like, there's no anger in what she's saying no, she's, she's just, just check this test this example check this yeah, example just like a good like yeah like she was really her entire point of the one that I watched which I think was the one that finally blew up and was like yeah it's just lazy writing yeah. Right. The way they use women in games. And, and I'm like, yeah! <laughs> who can deny that? Right. And like three quarters of the people who actually write <laughs> games are like, yep. Yeah, it was just so... It's I, so I thought measured it was... and careful and like inarguable when you yeah, finally I, see it. Yeah. I thought it was going to be a little bit more... You know, throwing bombs or something. No, it was right. literally just a video. I like, could you be more reasonable and more articulate about uh, that you're not, you know, you don't hate games, you don't hate men, you don't, you know, she did everything. And the great goals that she's like uh, shooting for are so are mild. Yeah, let's be more thoughtful topic. about how we write and present video game well, characters and NPCs. I thought it was going to be like, we got to shut down Electronic Arts and we got to kill <laughs> Gabe Newell or no, whatever. Like, let's cut the balls I've ever It was like, hey, hey let's, yeah. let's up our writing game. Let's, yeah. 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 let's not just use women as props. Hey, let's make better video games. Right. Let's literally at least just be aware of the problem. <laughs> she ended her talk, which got a round of, a, of applause by just saying, hey, just in the future, why don't we, if you want to try to make a difference, just try believing women when they tell you about your, their experience. Yeah, exactly. that's a big one. That, that's such a, like, that should be the foundation of just talking to anyone. Is probably they're telling me the truth. Well, and that's a, that, yeah, well, and that's a huge recurring theme in discussions of. That's, that, that's the whole not all men thing, right? Yeah. Not all men. Every time a woman is like, oh, I felt threatened in a cab. By this guy. Well, I never Not all men. So I don't right. Know. Like, what? Well, hey, doesn't sound like the big guy. You know, guy, and I can do that. So. <laughs> hey, guess what, dude? I wasn't talking about no, no, no. The most important part of this conversation about your experience with a bad event is that you understand that I'm bothered by the idea that you could think I could do something like that. If I did something like that, which I won't, because I'm not that kind of guy, baby. Right. Right. What like, were you saying? Yeah. Like the joking example of calling a 911 operator and being like, "There's some men in my house breaking into my house," and the 911 operator's like, "Not all men do that. I'm, I wouldn't do that." Right. <laughs> yeah. No, there's a it, the the whole just like actually listen and believe what people are saying thing has been a big recurring theme in metafilter discussions. Yeah, about feminism. I don't about get it. It's so good. It, honestly, it's such a good point to harp on because I think that one of the um, one of the best challenges to my own kind of entrenched privilege was realizing that and realizing that I do that. And I and I, it's always kind of felt to me like just kind of my skeptical nature. I always want to see both sides of something. Yeah, so yeah. if someone says, oh, I was harassed, I immediately think like, okay, well, what would the other guy say? Well, what would the guy say happened? What was well, the other half of this, right? But the fact that my knee-jerkiness of that is so automatic and so entrenched and I never had to think about that that's my reaction until recently, yeah. it's like that's a real revelation for me. It really honestly is. Yeah, I mean, I had things like that as well. I had, and looking back on it, it was more... I feel like I was trying to be positive. <laughs> right. It's not so bad. Or right, right. I'm sure but, he didn't mean it that way. But then kind you realize, shit. oh, I'm just dismissing this person's entire experience yeah, and story yeah, with really no knowledge. Yeah. Right. Zero. So a question, yeah. which um, I hope doesn't come up weird, but <laughs> now it's, oh, it's weird already. I'm excited already. now. Why are, you, why are you touching me like that? Yeah. 
That's not a question, that's a foot rub. <laughs> the, um, so the threats that, that uh, Anita Sarkeesian is, is getting, I mean, like they're absolutely, you take every threat seriously. How much do you think are people just, you know, idiots trolling fucking around? Oh, I, I, how much do you think is, you know, this, not that it matters, like it doesn't... I don't even think it matters. This, yeah, it's I mean, a good it, question. Like, I'm just thinking to bring that up. Well, I want to know how much evil is in the world, because that's, <laughs> that's some serious evil over something that matters I, not at all. I think most of it is is just wankery. It's, 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 it's by and large, well, just, just the mean, dumb yeah. internet pottering bullshit of guys like, who know they aren't going to get caught for doing right. something that they know is I mean, bullshitty but transgressive. Yeah. And you know, it's like, it's like, if you, if someone if someone writes "fuck pigs" on the yeah. sidewalk in uh, spray paint, you know, you know that like most of the people who are going to graffiti that aren't actually just doing that because they couldn't currently find a police officer to murder. But you know, you still know that there's like this whole transgressive attitudinal thing going on there. That's it's hard to yeah. completely separate them. So like, I, I think on the one hand, I think almost everybody who's made any sort of actual threat would completely quail at the idea of falling through on it. But at the same time, they're totally willing to make it and the, there's a culture that allows that yeah. like people we can stop and say that's fucked up but we can also stop and say it's absurd that like Twitter has literally no mechanism for doing anything about any of this which is really fucked up like you know you have a constant ongoing harassment and it's just it's corporately in uh, inconvenient to have a way to respond to that and right. so their position is oh well we can document yeah. clear you know line of sight harassment but beyond that yeah, I felt I felt really sad because I um, I saw her video and I was like, what a intelligent, insightful person. I'll go uh, follow her on uh, Twitter. So I looked up her actual, but she's got like a protected account, and I realized that's because ah, well, there's the feminist frequency is the main thing, which is you know mostly video announcements and stuff like that. But I was like, well, for for most people, I can look up you know their website or their whatever, but I can find you know, the person, and just see, hey, what's your day like, what do you, show me pictures of your food, or whatever, but, uh, yeah, can't do that with her, because it's too, yep. right, might leave like location metadata in a tweet or something, and I would be surprised if we, oh, I'm sorry, no, no, go no, I'd be surprised if we saw her wandering around the conference like a lot of other guests, you know. It's just not something that she gets the luxury to do anymore. I thought an interesting thing about the opening mono, like the opening, whatever you call it, opening keynote, what would you call it? Just the bandies? Yeah. Which they they really, they spent two or three solid minutes on. So we want to make a point of saying we have more security than before. We are extremely yeah. serious about everybody feeling comfortable yeah, here. And you are gonna get you are gonna get the fuck out of here if you yeah. don't abide by these rules. And I thought, A, it was a little like jarring in the context of a conversation about how this is a very, very open and welcoming place and everybody oh, yeah. can figure their shit out and stuff. And, and the, yeah, exactly. And I thought there was a really jarring, abrupt shift to just spend three minutes of like, we're going to kick your fucking ass if you try any shit here. But I really, really liked that they did that. Like, they didn't let yeah. the tone of the thing override the necessity of saying, like, we have a zero fucking bond. Like, yeah, shit. I agree. Right. I totally agree. Um, so I, 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 and I, for a second I was just like, whoa, this is like, it's a weirdly, because I never hear either of the Andes say anything like aggressive or hostile because they're the nicest human beings in the world. But when they have to, they do. And I really appreciate that, yeah. that they did that. But I was also going to ask Phil, because when, when Brad asked the question, you said, um, I don't think it matters. I, I and so I want to I want to hear you expound on that. I don't I don't think you can, I don't think you can possibly, like, 
gauge how serious someone threatening you is, it doesn't really matter. Like, it matters yeah. that they did. Like, I feel that way too. Like, because I, I have trouble putting it to words, but it's like it's like you create a culture of acceptance for that type of thing yeah. that breeds. Like, the person who is going to be physical or violent or pull something isn't necessarily the person making the threat, but they're emboldened by the fact that the yeah. threats are de facto. Sure. So, yeah. sure. I don't think it treats everyone like it's a fucking story. Yeah, but right. I, I guess the point is, or the question in my mind is, like, how much threat is... How much danger is she in? For real? I mean, it doesn't matter. She has to protect herself because it's been threatened. I don't know how you analyze it. I mean, I would say, looking at it, I would say, tactically speaking, the volume of threats is like the big thing. Like, I don't, you know, I don't if there's a, anybody... there's a lot of people being terrible, even if like 0.01% of the population is a really unhinged sociopath, you know, 10,000 people threaten you, then all of a sudden you have to like, you know, take it a lot more seriously. And I, I don't think, I don't think you can from the outside I'd really analyze a threat level other than if you're like literally a security professional. I, I think you can you can take a read on the culture and the zeitgeist, and we know right now that there's a lot of people who are turning their like feeling of scorn by women all, yeah. and, and focusing that on this idea that they have of what feminism is. So I think even outside of the direct threats to her, we know we know this is a big part of what's going on. And this is a big part of what the MRA movement provides cover for this like super hostile like nightmare shit. Um, and and so it's not just like how many threats she may get, but what in the culture that those threats are taking place in. If you don't take those threats seriously and respond to them, it just makes it more likely that so many more bad things will happen. Yeah, and it's establishing a response that seems to be important. I'm not suggesting that she should be like. You know, no, 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 no. Oh, it's not real or whatever. No, no of like, course. Gotta, but I think it's a legitimate question. Is like how much of like this I, is just steam It just seems like or... such a small, such a small issue. Like the the gaming aspect. I mean, yeah. Like, and yet there's all these dudes like, losing their mind. It's so fucking weird. Yeah. And is, are so there people that exist on this earth <laughs> who are willing? Like you fucking said, what about Duke Nukem? <laughs> I will kill you. I'm literally going to take a knife and kill you. Yeah. Like what? Yeah, it's it's insane, and I feel like I guess to, to slightly parse what you said, Phil, I, I feel like I feel like it doesn't not matter in like at a personal per threat level. Like I I have very occasionally received as a result of working on Metafilter oh, I'm sure. violent threats. Yeah, I'm sure. And, I, and, there, well. and there's not a single one that I've taken seriously because they've never come from someone who was like. Credible, but they were still super fucking weird and bothersome. Like when someone's like, you know, I, I hope something real bad happens to your family real soon now. It's like, okay, you're obviously that full of shit guy who I banned, but on the other hand, why the fuck would you send someone something yeah. like that? You know, it's so I can navigate that on a level, you know, a threat by threat level. And for me, thankfully, it's so infrequent that it's not even something that causes yeah, me it's, it's a really, stress. It's a really weird thing. I don't really get it. I mean, I. I can't imagine actually, I can't imagine threatening someone unless I actually meant to hurt them. <laughs> like I can't imagine yeah. sending a fake threat to somebody. Like it's I, weird. It's super weird. It's just not. I, I can't. I can't conceive of a scenario in which that seems like a good idea. Yeah. yeah no, it's terrible. I mean, just. And so I can't understand like what these people are thinking that are like like what is wrong with you? <laughs> they just. Something I think they're not thinking. They're just mad. They threatened. I don't know. It's. I mean, it's. Not about you, Paul Reiser, Helen Hunt. I'm mad about that. I'm mad about that. I mean, it seems. 
Uh, I don't know, I assume people have written about this sort of thing. But the, <laughs> That's, I found it. I found it. You uh, ruined the alien. <laughs> 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 A bad call. Signed. Um, the, uh, you know, the overall, the threatening of the white male uh, privilege is like, the, there's, I've read a lot of articles about like, you know, that's generally what's behind like school shootings and stuff, is that you're, you expect a certain amount of, a certain white men, they expect to have a certain amount of stuff, uh, and when they don't get it, when women don't pay attention to them, when they don't, uh, whatever, they will wig, some of them will wig out. Um, but it seems, you know, analogous to this stupid gaming thing, where you're like, here's, ugh. It's this big scary thing. It's like, like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why are you so insecure? Why? And it's, and it's the same thing as like the, you know, but I'm a nice guy thing. Like where it's just people don't. Nobody owes you anything. Like literally, no person. The dudes are getting passed over by girls, yeah. and they're like, but I was so nice. Yeah. Nobody owes you any kind of anything yeah. in the entire world. Nobody. Literally, not a single person. Yeah. So just deal with that internalize it and you know put your shoes on and go to work like everybody else right yeah <laughs> you're not special you're not you're, you're just not fucking special you're just another person on the planet even the people that you think are special they're also not special <laughs> nope. other than that though XOXO has been really fun <laughs> exactly uh, uh, Jonathan Mann's talk was really good. Uh, I, I got to 3D scan him. I, I'm not, yeah, yeah. Still not sure how it's going to turn out because I don't have Wi-Fi right now. So. Right. He, he's he's one of the few people on the internet who I've had the, a specific sort of. Uh, Maybe you stole my life. Like not a reasonable, <laughs> way. Not, not in any reasonable no. way. So, like, no, 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 no. so my friend and I have a phrase for this. Uh, you got my genie. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, 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 and you know what it is. And I've, I've, I felt the same way at one point about Jonathan Colton too. It's, yeah. All these songwriting fucking Jonathans is bullshit. <laughs> I got I got they named me Josh. They fucked me. Thanks, yeah, mom yeah. and dad. But no, no, they, they've both they're done so this. Close. They've both done this huge amount of work on something that I also like doing. But yeah. it's like I haven't been doing a huge amount of work. Like. The last time I was like really prolific musically was like 2007, you know, and I enjoy doing music, but I haven't really been working very hard on it. And in the meantime, yeah, man's been doing it for like five years now. Yeah. Colton yeah, he's like, worked like a motherfucker. 2082. Songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Serious. My my favorite was the food poisoning one because that was pretty great. Oh, that was so real. That was magical. <laughs> so authentic. It reminds me of you know obviously. Uh, you know, inspiration for that being Zay Frank, uh, who's like kind of the godfather of this kind of stuff. Uh, and I super miss the show all the time, always. Like, every day that there, it doesn't exist. But uh, it, he would do that, where he was like just super sick. And you could hear it in his voice, and it's just like, hey, everybody, <laughs> this is a show. Yeah. <laughs> I would put I would put this show as like one of the finest things as a body of work one of the finest things the internet has ever produced he would be such a good fit for XOXO also I wonder if he's been asked or not I'm not I know he's living in uh, in 
California. Uh, and he was doing he some... He was a New York guy for a while. He was doing some stuff, um, some productions, like yeah. uh, working on film and, yeah. and TV huh. stuff, but... I don't know. He, I, I think that went really badly, and it, he was really, really fucking bummed out by it. Probably, probably pretty soul crushing. Well, well, he sort of talked about some of that. I, so I got to be on a, I got to be on a, a comedy panel at South by Southwest a couple years ago uh, with him. Well, not panel. It, this is the thing that Andy Waxy organized. So the whole thing, it actually sort of sounded like a crazy dream thing because Waxy was like, "Hey, I'm doing a thing that was really popular a few years ago. I'm doing it again. Do you want to come do it? You do a comedy presentation thing, and uh, some other people will be on it. Like they." Frank's gonna be, I'm like, oh yes, I'll come back. Because I was like, I'm not gonna go back to South. Oh, okay. I don't have to buy a ticket and I get a yeah. thing and say Frank's there. Okay. Well, yeah. Basically, Andy Bio asks you to do anything. It's impossible. Yeah, it's, like, like, it's yeah, really yeah, hard okay. to say no because he's flexy. Like, yeah. Yeah. There was this thing called Worst Website Ever. Okay. And I, think it, I remember, yeah, I think I remember Yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and in retrospect, I chose a different tone than everybody else doing it. Because <laughs> I hadn't seen the first one, and I think maybe some of them so, had more. So what you're saying is you ruined it. <laughs> Basically, I, everybody else said, hey, you know what would be funny? This terrible idea. And everybody's in on the joke. And I was the only one, I thought we were doing like straight face presentations of a bad idea. So I, I came up with a bad idea, and, and it was, it was, you know, my presentation was meant to be funny, but it was meant to be funny partly like I'm a douchebag who actually believes what I'm selling. You were dead, you did, you yeah. did it, you know, yeah, deadpan. Yeah, I, I did a mostly deadpan thing, and, and I also used heavy Seinfeld theming, which turns out to have been lost on a lot of the audience. Some of them were too young to get jokes about George Costanza, it turns out. What was that, like uh, the 70s? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, so the whole thing my presentation was like and that colors my experience I'm sure that I was like oh man I showed up in the in business formal to a, a, a Hawaiian shirt party uh, you know totally speaking I mean people weren't mean and people laughed but it wasn't I wasn't doing the same kind of joke but, but also Zay Frank was there and I was kind of like I was thinking oh man I'll be like oh I really like stuff and unique but instead like I was sort of like a little just like you know withdrawn and freaked out and he seemed super fucking like tired like he did, I think he'd had a bad week and and he talked a little bit about the the Hollywood stuff that just sounded basically when he was talking was basically this was fucking horrible and it just completely soured me on the whole thing and I'm really angry that I spent all that time and effort on that bullshit that was terrible and it was like that was the exact opposite of hey let's talk about brain crack you know and so I was just like I was in the wrong space at the wrong time expecting the wrong thing from a guy who was just completely reasonably not like you know in a hey everything's awesome let's be friends place and so I never really talked to him we did the thing uh, it was over and then I was like I feel weird about this whole thing are there success stories like that are there people that because I know Jack Conte and or Papamoos has the story of like you know we became big on the internet and then we went out and tried to get legitimate fame and then it was just terrible and so crushing and horrible yeah I don't know no because but why would you want that is what I you know I mean yeah somebody drives a dumb truck full of money to your house, you're not going to say like, I don't like the color of the dump truck. Like, you're just going to... Well, the thing is that the the big problem is that it's they're two, like, totally different jobs. Yeah. It's like, it's very similar to like, the stand-up comedians, and they're like, hey, can you act? Yeah. And, and they're like, I fucking like, do comedy. 90, 98% of them don't be comedy Yeah, so. yeah, exactly. And it can work, but or, it's a different, it's a different yeah. job. Hey, you're really great at doing X. Why don't yeah. you do Y now? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Are there any examples of that? Or people who uh, start out as a web sensation? Web sensation. 
specifically? And well, I mean, the... musicians, there's there's a whole bunch. I mean, uh, I feel like that's Grimes. Like, I mean, Justin Bieber is literally an example. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They all kind of start. All of the examples of uh, people finding a super internet fame and then going on to super mainstream fame are hideous, is what you're saying. <laughs> That is audience. That's why I didn't do it. <laughs> yeah, you, that's why you I chose that. Yeah. Like, no. I had nothing I'm to do with it. Not get super famous. <laughs> um, yeah, I know it's tough to make that that transition. Music does seem like the easiest path there yeah. because you don't necessarily have to go to a completely different skill set. Like well, if you're, if you're no. good at making music and you're okay on camera, well, you can keep doing it. But it's also it's also that like the, the Kevin Kelly talked about uh, earlier today. It's like making a living versus making a fortune like yeah. if you're trying to make a fortune you're gonna have a bad time <laughs> yeah, be happy making a living or like, at, the, at the very least you're gonna be playing a very different game even if you yeah. are gonna track yeah. success that's yeah that, and I think well, that's I mean, the some difference. people don't have to do what they love to get through life I mean but people but a lot of artists and creative types they are gonna be miserable if you take them from their nice Apartment. I'm glad to the Pino. Do anybody else? I'll do another one of these, please. Um, where was I going with that? The uh, oh yeah, so you're independent and you're doing all this stuff and you have creative freedom and you're and it's hard work. But then you switch to well, you got notes, you're getting executives are on your ass, you got you got people to please that are not your fans, whole other deal. Yeah, I mean if you're a person that makes stuff. In any discipline, you have the stuff that you really like to do that is like fulfilling and, and fun and, and like challenging, and you also have the stuff that is, while being a part of that thing, you're just not really that interested. And the stuff that other people want to pay you money to do is 90% of the time the stuff you don't give a shit about. Yeah. Well, I think in the old days when it used to be a lot more. Uh, palatable, like if you wanted to be a musician and the record company throws a bunch of shit on you, you're like, okay, fine. You know, this is what it, this is what you do. This is, part this of is what you job. do if you want to make a living, right. because you couldn't actually make a living being a musician in the '50s right. unless you had a record deal. Whereas like you, you were a hobo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but whereas if you started out with something that was completely under your control, and then someone said we want to pile this shit on top of you, you sort of have that feeling in the back of your mind. It's like, no, I can't. I don't have to do this. I can go back and do what I was doing. That's right. Yeah. Do okay. I? How many swimming pools? Do I, well, need? Then, yeah. I mean, if you look at like, and, look at, yeah. yeah, what's what's it going to take away from me that I look already? At, like movies right. and TV shows and stuff for the last fifty years, it's all been like the big record contract. Like yeah. you know, you've been just, you're going to be a Hollywood celebrity. Like that's like a thing you aspire to, yeah. but you know, come to find out that that just sucks. Like there's not yeah. there's literally nothing good about it except you're fabulously wealthy. If in in zero point one percent of the cases, yeah. like, and but there's I, a there's a I haven't made it yet. I've made it. Black and white line. Yeah, that's so. Or that's, any more reality, it's like a whole spectrum. Yeah. Like, where am I comfortable along yeah. that axis? One of the things, I, I it was a bit of a theme last year, and I've heard more of it this year, of just the sustainability yes. of, like, I love the band camp, uh, Ethan uh, Diamond, uh, his uh, presentation. Like, I've, I was I talking to you about it? About how, you know, Metafilter got made fun of because... By like startup VCs or like oh right. life, lifestyle, lifestyle business, business. Yeah. which yes. is was just insane to me. Like 
Oh, all you can do is earn enough money to live comfortably? <laughs> yeah, he's several employees with yeah. benefits? Like, what is that? Oh. You, mean that you, mean that, you mean the odds are this isn't going to either horribly fail or make a billion dollars? Yes, like, this why is just would a, I even care? You gotta do this forever? Tread water, man. It's just reliable. <laughs> this, and is gonna, this is gonna be around five years from now. Yeah. Get out of my way. Yeah, exactly. I, I, think, I think going back to the idea of that transition we're talking about from like sort of indie to mainstream, yeah. that ties in really well to the making a living versus making a fortune thing, partly because the people who would, in theory, be responsible for helping you make that transition aren't doing it because they're like, oh man, you earned it. They're doing it because they see money in it and yeah. they are interested in making a fortune. Yeah. And they yeah, want to, if, they, if they're like, yeah, let's, let's turn your thing into a thing that's a hundred times as big, yeah. it's because they're thinking, and you know, I get a, I get a share. Yeah. And you know, if that works out for you and works out for them, great. But they're not saying, how can we make sure that you feel most comfortable about continuing <laughs> right. to do this kind of work in the long term? Yeah. They have a vested interest in making you, in, in, in helping you make really bad, high-risk decisions that are going to be yeah. ultimately unsatisfying and probably fail. Yeah, well, yeah. all they want to do is exploit, and not in a bad way, <laughs> they're business people, but they want, they want to take what you have. And generate a whole bunch of money with I'll, it. I'll say in Which, a bad way. It's, a, it's kind of a start of culture. <laughs> I think it's a, in a bad way from an artist's perspective. Uh, I wouldn't want to be on I that. I think it might be but in a bad way in a societal perspective, to be honest. <laughs> really? Well, I think, I, it's, I think it's possible to non cynically look at something and say, this is great and it should be bigger. Yeah. I think the problem is that there's a lot of profit motive for not being too careful yeah. about pursuing that. Well, no, see, but you're, see, you, you left out an important part of that sentence, which is. This thing is great and it should be bigger, and I want a piece of that. Well, and I don't think there's right. anything wrong with wanting a piece of that. I think it's all—it's mostly about being ethical about it. Like I right. think, I think someone who can take someone who's doing something interesting that yeah. doesn't have the ability to scale it themselves, and they can look at that and say, I, "How is it different than like? How is it different than like? You have a company idea." And, or a small business or something and I'm like alright well I think you're good at stuff I want to support that and it's worth my I will make a little bit of change off of that by investing in it but it gets terrible when I'm like and also I want you to burn the burn to the ground at the end right, <laughs> like, yeah. right. I don't care if you no, live or die I, I agree <laughs> that that's absolutely like that's, it's absolutely no. possible to like <laughs> yeah but, but it's not it's the way it's possible to do it right it's totally possible it's not the way that it happens most of the time though yeah. and that's it's it's so weird that that's like a message I mean we were just talking about that with, with Gruber's yeah. you know, thing of like just how crazy is it that you're just like yeah just uh, quality and uh, try, try to make things of quality yeah, wow what a revolutionary quality idea. and try to figure out uh, business models that don't piss off your uh, your your customers or yeah. fans or whatever too much do the best do the best thing you can try not to be an asshole like, that's, yeah. that's his huge <laughs> <laughs> Eric Wareheim but I mean it is it is like legitimately it is legitimately hard to stick to that too because we all get like the, the fear <laughs> Of like, yeah. Oh, if I just do this quick thing, like, you know. Thank you. Everybody, I think, has the temptation of like, I, I, how do I? I don't know. I'm not. I have no idea if I'm full of shit or not. I really don't. There's no way for me to know. And you also don't know that the thing that you're doing, the you know, sustainable business, isn't gonna dry up tomorrow. Like, even if you're really, really good at it, like, you know, like, you pick any given thing, you're super good at it, you put out really high-quality work, that might just not be possible for you to make a living doing. It just might yeah. not. Like, yeah. It, one thing I struggle with is the idea that um, if you love doing something, don't make it your job. 
Yeah. And so that's I, advice I've heard, and it's like I kind of like I, I kind of completely yeah, agree, and I kind like, of think the exact opposite too. Yeah, yeah, right? It feels like I mean I can see some sense in it because like if you love something, don't destroy it by causing it to be something that well, yeah. you feel bad about. Right? Don't make it work for yourself. Don't make if it. It's a, not. Don't make it a bad job. Yeah. yeah right. I guess that's you gotta logic. figure out a way to no, make see, it. I'm, I'm saying if you love something, just smash your face up against it and rub it forever. Right. Like that's. But I think I see what you're saying, Jesse. Like yeah. If you once you attach money to it, then you have to start making decisions that can send it into directions that yeah, or even just, even if it's not about. I mean, money obviously always comes into it if it needs yeah. if it's what's keeping the lights on in your house and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, but um, but even 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 setting that aside for a second, like creating a set of expectations for yourself and an audience base that has expectations of you and yeah. amount. You know, there's a lot that's hung up on making it your livelihood in addition to money. That can potential. I mean, depending maybe on your personality or something, can be destructive to the creative well, it, impulse. It, it adds from. it adds pressure. Right. It adds pressure, which slow can slow down the creative. Like when you're just doing shit. Like I mean, I found it way easier. Maybe we talked about this a bit last year. Probably. I was like, I found it way easier to make music when I didn't think anyone was going to listen to it. Right. Yeah. And the past bunch of years have been oh I'm like slow into a crawl with my uh, so like when I see Jonathan just cranking them out I'm like oh my god that's it seems so hard but it, it's also very simple yeah. but the moment yeah so I can see the argument that like well if I never if I never put myself out, out there to begin with or never sold a record or got a fan or anything maybe I'd still be enjoying music more, spending more time out, rather than being like, oh, Jesus, is this good enough? Is this whatever? Um, but at the same time, I don't know. It's still been an okay run. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm glad I didn't have to have too much of a real job. Right. That's awesome. <laughs> I'm worried because the enjoying the creative process is such a delicate thing for me. And I, I, and, I, and I feel like it's so easy for me it. to destroy it. I love certain fall moments and then it always yeah. turns to hate. Yeah. yeah I, I legitimately hate every moment of like making things. Hmm. I, I actually I actually had this uh, so it's a, it's a compulsion. Uh, I was getting, huh. I was trying to explain to uh, my shrink about about like the creative process for me and it was like I just explained to strangers in technology. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's cheaper. Yeah. That's cheaper, bro. Right, and, no, the, uh, and their audience of literally does I'm sorry if I wasn't clear about that. Yeah. Yeah. But, I have hourly rate. but like how how it's like, oh you have the idea, you're I'm, like I'm jazzed about the idea and then you uh, or this is me anyways. You're jazzed about the idea, you start working on it, you're a little like, oh I don't know if I can do it or not. You, you get it and you're excited about it you're like oh man this is really good and then just slow drive towards disappointment and like oh this this isn't as good as I thought it could be and then you're like what am I going to do not put it out I don't know that's why I tend to just execute quickly on stuff I, I, yeah and that's what I was doing before I guess which maybe is well, better it's different because yeah you're like like I really I released three albums in my life and uh, one of them was recorded in. I've also released three albums. You've been doing other shit. Well, yeah, but you've released much nicer albums. <laughs> I, 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 I didn't make the air quote around albums, you know, such that it was visible, let alone yeah, audible, audible to, okay, to, yeah, yeah. to the listener. My first album I recorded in a day across the street from my parents' house, right, yeah. when I was home from college. Not, not in a recording studio, just across well, the street. He, well, he had, a, he, had a, he had a tiny little recording studio in his yeah. basement, and, you know, okay. it, was, it was better than anything I'd ever seen. But I also was, I had no money. And so he was like, he gave me a gift certificate for some recording hours for a birthday gift, 
And then I basically tried to like cadge every bit of music I could out of him that way. Where in retrospect, I should have said, "Hey, mom and dad, I kind of want to spend some time recording things. Can you give me a couple hundred dollars and I'll do this thing?" But uh, so I, I rushed through this thing and did, we multi-tracked a few things. We overdubbed a couple tracks, and everything else was just like demo, basically with acoustic yeah. guitar. And they sounded good compared to my bedroom demos on a shitty knockoff SM57 into a crappy tape deck. But uh, but they but still and I knew, I was so on the clock that like all of them are up tempo from what they should be. Of course, I was trying to like say five minutes across the road, like ten songs. That's that's like always. Yeah. So and, but here's another here's another question I want to pose to both of you guys specifically, um, creatively of like stuff you want to do right, stuff you want to yeah, do. Yeah. Uh, it's. I feel like for me, it's the first one is so much easier when it's like a. The, the first one is always so much easier, like the first album or like the first season of a TV show, right? The first thing you ever do, like the first major website you build or the first major like copy campaign you run or whatever is like a million times easier than if you get the chance to do a second one. There's the, the novelty of doing something for the first time is huge. But also Definitely. you've had that your entire life up to that point to sort of to come up with this material. stuff. Yeah, yeah, exactly. To come you, up with you, you this just stuff. Marinating. Yeah, for exactly. Years or whatever. Yeah. Just sort of unbottled. And then you're like, well, and I just, all, I, and then the yeah, next, no. and then you get to do another one, and you're like, shit, I have to come up with new ideas. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think it's a thing. Yeah, I just do one every twenty years. Like, yeah, exactly. Like that. So, <laughs> well, if I just did a LARP track every three months, every yeah. single one would just feel like fucking gold to me. Like I just finally did one after like literally three months, pretty much. And it felt great. I was like, yeah, no, everything about this is funny. I like the flow of it. It came out really easy. You know, it was like, I'd basically written in my head before I got finished watching the episode it was a joke about, yeah. you know. And a lot of them are like that, but then a lot of them, when I'm doing it every couple days, is like hard. We're starting up again in 15 minutes. Oh, okay. oh we're, we're, we're getting on towards... Right. Um, oh, well, I, I would love to hear Brad's answer to your question, though, because I think part of your experience with that was the relationship with your audience changed between your first and second albums. Yeah, you have that. Uh, yeah, just the expectation. Um, but that doesn't really help you come up with it, right? No, it's, no, no, it just makes it even I also worse. think there's... <laughs> this, is a, this is a thing I'm trying to change about my brain, which Jonathan Mann's uh, talk was very much uh, about when he showed the pie chart. That... I don't know. I don't know how... It's an, it's an you adjusted... Guys are, it's an adjusted... Theodore uh, uh, Sturgeon chart. Oh, is it? Yeah, so it's only... 90% of it is crap. Yeah, yeah. Right. Sturgeon code. His was 70... Uh, 70% of it is going to be yeah. okay. Yeah, okay. 20% is going to be bad. 10% is going to be good. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Um, so, so, yeah, I kind of... I think when I first started, I was like, you know, all right, well, here's the only ten songs I have. <laughs> Here's my first album. <laughs> right. And then you're like, uh, I gotta do another one, and it's like a little slower, and you're like, all right, here's the ten songs I managed to make, yeah. or whatever, twelve songs. Uh, so you go from like, this is, like, this is, you go from, this is the best I got, to this is the best I can do. <laughs> yeah, and now I think, now I think the important thing, from, from reading and listening to, like, a lot of really creative people, it's about, doing the work, generating, you're supposed to be cranking out material and then you filter it. Like, you gotta be doing, I mean, every, almost every uh, story of no matter artist or, or startup or whatever is like, 
constant failure iterating right. and then you know maybe success or something yeah. and that's of course that's the way it works right like of course that's the way nearly everyone lives but their it's, life it's hard because like that's, as, as the enthusiasm hard. comes away when the novelty goes away and you're just like oh it's, it's harder to just do the work when it actually feels like work than when it just happened by accident because the whole thing is like, oh, I guess this is the thing I can do. Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to force that initial spark. It's yeah. that, that, that muse, you know, that muse yeah. thing. Like, the muse strikes you, and you're like, all right, not eight hours. Like, just burn through eight hours of making something. But then it's like, I really have to do this, and it has to be done tomorrow. And like, I really don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I have, I've all got sudden, nothing. It becomes and a responsibility. I've got nothing. The other thing that I think now, uh, that I was talking to somebody yesterday about this sort of stuff, and he was like... Uh, I was like, you know, it was it was so much easier. It was, and it seemed like everything was like fascinating, and you just like get in the zone. And he's like, yeah, we're just old, and you don't have to do it anymore. You're just you got other shit you want to do. And I was like, oh, that's that can't be true. No, like you have other options. Well, I think it's different for everybody too. You know, yeah, it's, it's, e- it's easy to read someone else who's like, ah, just don't worry about it, just stop doing it, and be like, fuck. Yeah, but exactly. you know, other people can make that decision. It doesn't mean you are bound to. Right. Bogart, how much stuff do you feel like you throw away? We haven't really talked about like your artistic process ever. But like you draw stuff instead of making noises into microphones. It's true. But there's still I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, you know, refining your process and iterating things, this this sounds like good ideas. (laughs) (laughs) I have not implemented them yet. (laughs) So No, I I have uh, it kills me to redraw anything ever. Uh, really? Just about, yeah, just about everything I ever lay out is exactly how it turns out on the page. I am right. the opposite. I destroy everything like a thousand times right. before I even find anything I don't viscerally don't like. I, I but Matt, your process is probably like to draw and then like erase a third of what you've just drawn and then go two, third forward, <laughs> one third back. Fire, or you just really. you just really plow through. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I almost always have the... Well, since I started... I had nine years where I couldn't get myself to draw anything. Huh. So wow. Since what I, was that like? a long time. <laughs> um, I, it's, that's difficult to put into words. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fair enough. I, I don't know whether something switched, but everything that I've looked at after that has been with the attitude of like, uh, that's okay... I guess I learned enough, so the next one will be better. See, I think that's, yeah, I mean, that's a huge difference, because um, I think the other thing is you can get very stuck into perfectionism, and that really kills the... And like I was talking about before, with the, the first thing you do is so much easier than the second thing, because you've had your entire life up to that point to figure out what you were going to do for that first thing, right? You had a million ideas, and you got to pick, you know, six really kick-ass ones. The... The other part of that is, even though like the second one is so much harder, the third one's even harder than that. You get to do that thing and look back, you know, at when you're on like you know the third one or whatever. You look back at the second one and the first one, and you see things that you're like, "Wow, that was stupid," or "Wow, that was awful." Like yeah. I'm so much better than that now. Yeah, that's. Uh, I mean, I know so many musicians who put off doing doing their record because they're waiting until they. And I think I've talked to you about that, like not with music, but like, but yeah, like if you wait till you feel, till it feels good. Like I remember putting on my first record; it was terrifying. Well, and that's I hate. I was so upset, but I was like, I gotta, I gotta do it. I gotta do it. And it seems like the, like the record company model is so screwed for that because you can't. Like you know, they give you 
$100,000 advance, you got to deliver that record in a year, regardless of if it sucks or not. Like, why would you even bother doing that? Why wouldn't you just say, is it? Is, are you going to make something good? Is it going to be good? Then put it out. The thing is, uh, few of my friends. <laughs> few of my friends have like asked, you know, <laughs> how do you get over the. Uh, the embarrassment and shame of like knowing that you're better. I'm like, you don't get over that. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Every time get I got I got friends you? who are like are like hey, hey let's put your songs out at, at our party. I'm like, oh that's an asshole thing to do. <laughs> what the fuck? Actually I had a friend who uh, they have a lovely like seven year old daughter, eight year old daughter, and she's she came to one of my shows and she's so sweet. Uh, but she was like Daddy, I'm gonna go put Brad's music on while we're all hanging out. And he's like, don't do that, he's not gonna like that. And, and she's like, why? Why wouldn't he like that? It's like, it's gonna make him really uncomfortable. He's gonna like, uh, and I'm like, and I feel terrible now that this eight year old has some like, Brad hates himself. <laughs> like, I didn't want to communicate that to her, so then I think I should suck it up. I should just be cool. Hey, yeah, no, good I, job, previous me. Introduce the idea that you are you can hate yourself to that little. That yeah, it's great. Oh, right. okay. great. That'll be my legacy. <laughs> Maybe I'll get her a penalty board <laughs> autograph. Not only that, because she like <laughs> to make up for it. Obviously admires you a little bit. She thinks that's like how you should be. Right. Like, yeah. Ruin, well, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Oh, what? what what couldn't be the highest form of praise and saying, hey, let's do well, of course. You made. I remember. I, I think probably a lot of us have had the experience of an artist we looked up to, we realized that they just hate themselves. Yeah, well, I remember right? reading a. Like, just like every 14 year old that listens to Harmony Right. I remember uh, reading a Nine Inch Nails uh, uh, interview, like a Trent Reznor interview when I was a kid. You had to read an interview? You could just get that from the music. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted something without awkward rhymes. Um, but no, he. Uh, so one of the questions, it was in some stupid magazine, right? So they're, they're sort of just like, hey, blah, 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 what's your favorite ice cream or whatever? And then they were like, uh, what, what, uh, uh, what's your favorite song of yours to make love to? Why would you do that? That's, no, that was, he was incredulous. No. He was like, I would just, I wouldn't do that because I'd be like, with the lady and I'd be like I gotta go back to the studio and fix this kick drum yeah, no, yeah. I'm sorry honey this yeah. sucks I gotta go fix yeah, it this is really upsetting me I, like, I don't even, why did I put this on I have a seriously hard time showing my girlfriend like the stuff I build like the websites I build you should totally try doing it during it. sex yeah like so imagine, so imagine like, yeah, you enjoy to, this so what, do you, what do you think about this like while well, you're fucking like this is yeah. like, oh my it's, god when I put it into landscape mode but the assumption is that the artist just completely enjoys. Yeah, I know. Oh, I'm just so fulfilled that. by. Although I've heard a story that uh, Kanye loves his shit. Well, oh, I mean, uh, he's just. Oh I, yeah, I'm on. Yeah, I, I, I like, and I'm like that's I a like gift. A lot of what I've recorded, you know, partly yeah. because I think it's partly because it's never quite turned into a job. Right. So yeah. it's and, and you know, so I'll, I'll listen to my like stuff from at least from like the last five years, especially like because yeah. stuff started gelling sometime about 15 years after I started making music that's like, oh, I don't, I'm not unhappy actively about the way I executed yeah. stuff. 
But it's also something I just listen to every once in a while. But I still, I'd be so, so fucking self-conscious about it if it was in a context other than I feel like listening to that thing I've Yeah. Well, it's hard to reel it into of the, the self-hatred because when people are like, oh, I really loved your first record. Like, that piece of shit? Uh, way well, better and, now. You know, one, one way better. Me is yeah, people, better. Come, people who but totally understandably to to have random assumptions about uh, <laughs> the creative process... Uh, people who have random assumptions about the creative process who like they have no they're not psychic so you can't blame them but they're right. like they hear a song and that means something to them specifically yes. and they want to convince with you about it yeah and, and but the but then they just draw these conclusions that are wrong yeah like the songs like the two or three songs have got the most sort of like oh man emotionally I totally understand where you're coming from there that means so much to me are songs that were like whole cloth fiction like I just I wrote a, a good narrative I felt like and then someone's like so I, no one has that? ever understood my soul as much as you clearly do based on our shared experience yeah, like, ah. of your bitter divorce to your ex-wife yeah. and I'm like that didn't happen yeah. I just it just seemed like a I good rhyme some good old song yeah, right? yeah. Oh, and it, it's a weird well, thing well no that's what that's what making stuff is you're, 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 yeah, yeah. you're making yeah. shit up like that's what storytelling and you know yeah <laughs> it's, it's a weird it's a weird thing I've had I've had fans write me and like ask like oh so I think I know the meaning of this song. Can you just let me know if that's actually true? And I'm like, I don't even fucking know. <laughs> I don't like songs like that. I, I, figured, I figured out. I like pastiche, <laughs> interprety. I don't know what the fuck most Rolling Stones songs are about. I like them. Some of them, some of them are they're I painfully pick, obvious and, yeah, yeah. and unsettling, but... But I pick the words that relate to my life. Yes. The things so, like, oh, that line is really meaningful to me right, right. now. So there's yeah. the thing that... Uh, this, this is the thing that I've kind of trained my brain to, to do. That uh, So instead of saying, like, oh, this... This uh, musician or or lyricist like gets me. It's this song gets me. <laughs> like that's that's the thing. Like it exists unto itself. Like it's not. You know you can make you can write a story that affects someone and that you have never done anything like been involved in anything like what happens in this story, but it can still like affect someone deeply and yeah. make their life like a little bit better. Right. And you don't have to have been there and done it, right? I think there's a real um, uh, like showbiz separation. Uh, that is helpful for like Lena Dunham for instance like having her parents uh, be I mean they're artists or something but she's always been in sort of like the Hollywoodish type of thing yeah. and to understand what the difference between like where I come from Everybody slightly believes what they see on TV. I mean, right. or, oh, or here on the radio. I, I they know people write it, but they're like, oh, I love what she said, or that really... I, I grew up in a town with 15,000 people in it. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. That's... So, like, I think you get such a leg up when, uh, when you're behind the curtain a little bit, and you're like, hey, you know all this is phony, right? Everybody's just putting on a show here. But it's such a. I've, I've listened to uh, WTF, and he and uh, Mark Barron like has wrestled with that for the longest time of the authenticity versus showbiz, and it seems like he just sort of got over the little hump of like, oh no, you're putting on 
You're supposed to put on a show, yeah. Yeah. People pay the ticket. They came in to have a nice make, time. Make a funny face. Slip yeah. out banana peel. They want to read your thing and have, you know, have a good experience. Rather than, oh, it's about me. Yeah. Right. Like, you don't need to ruin it for other people by making them really super duper well, aware of how much yeah. you're self-conscious. Your authenticity does not stuff. trump that they're, yeah. you know, paying the ticket price or yeah, whatever. if you do something yeah. that people like, that's okay. That can just be okay. Just yeah, like yeah. yeah, otherwise you're, like, turning it into or, or dealing with, like, the cult of personality where you're just making, love me. <laughs> like, yeah. don't, don't love my work, love me. Yeah. yeah. And that's bad. <laughs> It seems, uh, it seems like that's uh, a lot of the, uh, a lot of the old uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube stars nowadays. Like, I feel old when I look at them because I'm like, why are you famous again? I don't, I don't quite get it. You just, you seem like an okay dude, but like any other okay dude. Yeah. This is this is this is an interjection that has turned now into a meta interjection because I can't remember why it seemed like a really good interjection five minutes ago, but I still want to bring it up just to be a pain in the ass about it. Uh, the new Taylor Swift single, uh, "Shake." Yeah. Haven't uh, heard it yet. Hope not to ever. Well, it's, it's a great little pop tune, but it's I don't like it because I well I don't like a part of it. I feel like she does that breakdown in the bridge. When so, she talks. Yeah, and she's like at terrible the at dubstep jam she did before. I don't. I don't remember. Well, okay, what, what, oh, what the, 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 the long video for Trouble. Yes, yes. yes I did. Yes. A, I did a parody that of that, by the way, about triples. Yeah, no. She she does not come off as credible when she's doing these sort of like you know dramatic non pop well, no, song she's like she's like twenty years old. Which is why, and everybody's been a super serious twenty year old, so that's fine. Yeah, but but, but, but she's, she's a super famous well. super serious. Yeah. Sure, but she comes off credible yeah. to her market. Yeah. Sure, and one thing, her market is sixteen years old. Well, of course. There are, I mean, <laughs> I like those girls. There are three <laughs> words that are like the worst. Like, and it got song. embarrassing like right. the moment I. Uh oh. Shirts are coming off. Uh, yeah, Billy's another one that like crazy. Like five years later, I'm like Billy. Billy Corgan is a lunatic. We were just looking at the at, at the zero tattoo and his, like, on Phil's stomach. Those songs get me <laughs> still today. Oh sure, yeah, and, and they're that, the bullshittiest. Like, but you can buy into the bullshit. You can just be like, I know that this is constructed pop, but it's still like there's a feeling there. Yes, yeah, but so it seems so ridiculous to be like, uh, oh, that Taylor Swift. Swift, she's not as legit. Yeah, seriously. Like, like, I, like what are you doing? You're watching a thing yeah. on a TV show. My my complaint is not that. Oh no, Taylor Swift. My okay. my complaint is just don't like the songwriting you production. Think, so you think it can be executed better? Yeah, I think I think the the three words kill that for me every time I get to it is this sick beat and I don't believe that Taylor Swift actually believes that that's what's happening at that moment and I don't believe her presentation it's just like it's like eh it's like it's not great it's like and it probably is great for an excited 16 year old and I don't want to shit on that but as a songwriter I'm like that sounds like someone in production said you know what would be good let's do this and I almost want to believe that she was like I don't know and they're like no no let's do it so you feel like the performance is Exactly. I feel like I feel like it doesn't come so off wait. as the joyful pop construction that the wait, rest wait, of it wait. is. Let me let me get this straight. <laughs> You're saying that you don't think Taylor Swift is convincing. <laughs> I don't feel I don't feel like that moment in that song was up to snuff with her pop presentation. Sure. I've never actually seen her. I don't so need, I'm not even sure she's an actual person. No, no, okay, so here's the thing. I don't need to be convinced by her that her shtick is convincing, okay. but I want her to play to her strengths. Okay. And she has some really solid pop strengths. And this one song, it's got a bunch of good stuff, and then like 30 seconds of just sort of like it, it shits the bed a little bit. And that's a 
shame because otherwise. <laughs> well, it is. It is. You can, no, you, you can you can shit the bed or you cannot shit the bed. You can shit the bed. You you can be like disagree, disagree. Just a little tiny enough that you're like, oh, but I can go back. to You still gotta watch. I think it's possible. Well, yeah, but in the morning. But that's such a problem. In like, I don't know that I would currently, like, as an adult now, like Kurt Cobain's voice. He puts on a sort of phony accent. Yeah. Uh, that he, it's obvious that he liked Tom Waits. Like, he's like, her, or whatever. And same with, like, uh, wow, that was a great impression. <laughs> I really, really like it. Uh, but yeah, he's, like, his speaking voice is so different from his whatever. And I think now I might be like, oh, that's not authentic. I don't I don't like that. Yeah. Whereas, when I was a teenager, I was just like, that guy sounds awesome. Was, I don't yeah. like, the, the, that, the thing I least like of his output that I've heard was his talking bits on Unplugged. Uh, I had a fr- that, I had a friend who hated that as well. Yeah, it's just like it, I don't even know whether it was inauthentic, but it, it felt sort of weirdly self-conscious. Yeah, where his singing voice. In his defense, he did kill himself slightly. Well, yeah, that. so you know, it's like I'm not gonna give him a hard time. He was that. actually probably very awkward. Yeah, <laughs> but, but, but but he had a very hard time. I I think with the separating of show business and authenticity. Right. Yeah. yeah, but his voice, his singing voice, I have no issue with because it was a consistent thing that you used well. Like I don't care. I still like it, not. but I don't know that I would like it fresh now. I would be like right, these right. fucking kids with their phony, stupid. Maybe yeah. And maybe vocal fry thing. Yeah, but I never really liked uh, Eddie Vedder either. Like I never liked Eddie effective. Vedder. <laughs> I, li- I liked never, some of his songs. I, I didn't like him because girls liked him. Yeah. Uh, I I probably had a little bit I didn't like because girls liked him. But I loved I loved Bi- Billy Corgan. And that's an affected no, motherfucker. No, no girls liked Billy Corgan. <laughs> yeah. Look at that. Uh, guy. Yeah, pretty rare. Yeah. Pretty rare. That's we did okay though. And I still, I listened to it at least once. Maybe punching song in a week. I go back to every listen week, to like, every uh, week for the last like twenty years. I go back to listen to Siamese Dream. I have, I have a friend who was super into them and then went through the oh no because he was super into them to the point where people were like oh you're the guy that likes Smashing Pumpkins oh, and yeah. then he sort of fell that's out tough. with them and people were sort of like oh yeah Smashing Pumpkins right and it's like ah. <laughs> not so much anymore. Yeah. I, don't, I, don't know, I don't think I've ever known anybody that's been known for liking a that was his band. It's like the weirdest That wasn't his entire identity, but he was pretty into it. Was, it. it was a large part. It was enough a yeah. part of his identity that people like... We played a concert once in high school. All of us were like completely unpracticed, terrible musicians, basically. Uh, but not necessarily terrible for high school. But we got an ad hoc band together to play a dance for a school for the blind. Because one of the guys in the band was like his best friend, who was legally blind. And so and I ended up playing bass, which I'd never played before. I'd been playing guitar for a few years. Uh, and I hadn't really listened to Smashing Pumpkins before, and we played basically Smashing Pumpkins songs. Yeah. And, and, and the kids who were at the dance for the School for the Blind, a lot of them left. There was nothing going on except for sound being made specifically for them who experienced sound more than the average person probably. Yeah, they were just like, and they were like, no, gonna no, go, yeah. We're, just, uh, we're gonna go outside. Yeah, like, like ten people stayed inside and kept slow dancing. Yeah. We're gonna go outside and hear less. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna use less of my senses. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty cute. Fewer, fewer, yeah. Of my sense. It was a yeah. series of yeah. Yeah. Fewer, yeah. 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 Yeah
I think we could EQ this pretty aggressively. I, so. I, <laughs> I don't know that. About, I'm curious about the There's background. There's not enough like, EQ in the world. I feel like we should have set up a second microphone, like just like duct tape something to the wall, like six feet that way, and use that to try and do some ad hoc noise canceling against the cable conversation. <laughs> oh, yeah. For someone who refuses to even edit out like a burp or like a false start, if that's all, if surprising hey, amount of well, volunteer work, work you're suddenly putting in the table. Authenticity <laughs> thing. It's a killer. It's show business. It's really to... not about that for him. It's pure <laughs> laziness, and he's on record. It's like 70 20 10. <laughs> 70 lazy, uh, 20 bullshit, 10 authenticity. Right. Okay. Yeah. If it so, it's not my fault if I drink it. Are we really going to podcast us settling up the bill? No, I would love to yeah. hit stop. Uh, so. I, I, I'd, like, I'd like to say a quick thank you to uh, Brad Sucks and uh, Matthew Bogart and Phil Nelson for joining me and Jesse here in Vincenti's Pizza. And you may never, ever hear this. Yeah, this was, uh, this was actually a really, really good Yeah, I, 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 I hugely enjoyed this conversation that we may completely throw out. Uh, if, if anybody ever hears this, help me. Right. Oh wait, I wasn't recording. Just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs>